Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Lapham, a.k.a. the Drunk Phytologist, and I use the pronoun she, her. I'm Ethan Lapham, a.k.a. Takoon363, and I use he, him. And I'm Christian Venetis, a.k.a. Action Economist, and I use he, him. And this is Natural 20. Natural 20 is a podcast that discusses the lore, history, and biology of Dungeons and Dragons, creatures, and monsters. Natural 20 is also an adult podcast featuring adult language. You have been warned. Gentlemen, what are we talking about today? We're talking about Dragon Balls. Dra- no, dragons. Oh, dragons, yes. We, we, could talk, we could talk about Dragon Balls. We're talking about how you've seen people through a podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I'm more interested in now. Listen, give me a break, man. <laughs> you like, you like, hey, I it got my Dragon a... Ball Z here. Yeah, oh, it could be a visual would, medium. How would, imagine if they went with that for the dub. Like, just let's just have Goku sound like a New York teamster. Like, hey, I got my Dragon Ball Z. I suddenly want Dustin Hoffman this. As like Vegeta, just like as Vegeta. Okay, that's an interesting choice. Or Vegeta. or Goku, either one really. But like, yeah. even better for like Vegeta, where you're like, I want to watch him. Hey, I'm walking here. Yeah, it just gets, you know, just like you're pissing me off. I'm going Super Saiyan here. I'm, you're pissing me off. We can't use any of this, but that's fine. No, that's okay. I'm looking at like what time I cut it off. You know. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. For when I edit later. Yeah, I, yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> so. Yes. How long have dragons been in Dungeons and Dragons? I mean, it's in the name, so brand new, get, brand new. Yeah, yes. until now, never been dragons. Nope, brand new, twenty twenty three. Nope, it's all Chris, just been. Chris Perkins dungeons. showed up one day about two two days ago and was like, "Wait a minute, what if we actually put dragons in this? Yeah, ooh, what if they existed for real, for real, for, for real, real, for real?" I'm pretty sure being kind of in the name meant that there were going to be some number you're of dragons. Get, you're going to get some yes. dragons. They also tell you don't judge a book by the cover. Sure, but then they also put the dragons on the cover. It's also so, it's right there in the monster manual, like right out of the gate. They're like, check out this goofy looking red dragon up here. This, look at this goof goof here with all the scales in his fire. Bug eyes. The big old bug eyes. Oh, I'm a dragon! So they sounded like back then. No, no, no. This was when they were still silent Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, right, sure. Before they made talkies. Before they made the talkies. Before actual play. They said, I'm a dragon. That's how they sounded. Dragons have been in all the editions. Since, yes. Yes. Since, yes. Since the beginning. My next question is, currently in 5th edition, there are like tiers of dragons. Then that's been a thing, maybe not quite from the very beginning, but probably close. That's a good question. I don't know if they had, well, I mean, when you say tiers, it's more more age group. Right, that's sort of what I'm talking about, where it's like you've got your wormlings, You've got your young dragon. Sure. You've got adult. your adult dragon. You got your ancient dragon. I mean, there used to be. I do. Deific dragons. I do remember dragons. at least in I want to say second edition, where they had many many different age groups. Mm-hmm. The really really old ones were just ridiculously powerful. Ages on on monsters was a thing even in like first edition. Like some of the others we covered, like there's sections in there where it's like. This percentage of a group of them will be like women and children. And you're like, this is a little weird. Yeah. I get why it's in weird. here. It came from wargaming and like right. yeah. coming into a village and things. And like you want to stat it out as a as a dungeon master, but like also I, I, it's kinda I, weird. I want to say dragons were the only one were the only creatures in there that they differentiated by age. I believe. Like because they so really generally. emphasize like they live a really long time. 
And but like there are differences. Like you know, your young dragons are going to be more aggressive, but maybe not be quite so you know tanky. Not yeah, they're not quite as powerful, but they're still a dragon. Yeah, it's still a dragon. Like, you're still going to mess with it. Sure. You know, fire breathing big problem. Now, were they always able to talk? Uh, well, I mean, even today, it depends on which one you're talking, uh, which kind of dragon you're talking about. Okay, tell me more. Because, like, if I remember correctly, the white dragons don't talk. Uh, and again, that's or, it's or very or dependent, and it's, it's very, yeah. like, it's up to your DM. Or Some if, will take it as, like, they can, but it's very, like, stilted. Uh, the kind way to say it is... White dragons are the ones that are supposed to be sort of the most feral out of all right. of them. The not kind way of saying it is the white white dragons are the dumb ones. Yeah, it is pure instinct. Just all instinct. All emotion. Like, uh, and so I think they don't for tend to talk very much. Generally speaking. So then would be the ones that were least feral. I mean, that's probably then you're talking about gold dragons, red dragons, silver dragons... But then you, you get into the so yeah let's why don't we we'll peel it back another layer yeah yeah there's one there's lots of dragon and depending on edition or depending on your DM and their supplements there's an infinite number of colors but they've roughly categorized into sort of the, metallic, the classic groups metallic and chromatic and gemstone well metallic and chromatic are like the baseline yeah, they're pretty much always the, there. Gem, the gemstones were later editions. I want to say it was... I know they were in third. I want to say they started in second. They may have been third. I think it's actually third. Yeah. But I, I could be wrong. And the gem dragons are always this sort of weird supplement. And it came out of... Like, the the initial idea with the dragons, like, we're going to have chromatic dragons, and they're bad. And we're going to have metallic dragons, and they're good. That way, they're like... That was the basic There's, like, the cool yeah. dragons that are more of, like, your, your like, dragon heart. Like, they're going to talk, and they're going to be sophisticated, and they're all voiced by Sean Connery. Yes. And then you're going to have... Or... Someone else that attempted a Sean Connery voice that's somehow worse than SNL Celebrity Jeopardy in the sequels. We're not gonna worry about that. The main point being, like, yeah, you have your intelligent, conversant. They're magical. They have their own wants and needs, potentially their own morality. But like, all metallic dragons are lawful. They're not necessarily good. Actually, they're typically all good. Right. Or, yeah, they're, no, sorry, they're, not, yeah, right. they're not always lawful. Right, sorry. Depends, Depends on, on the law. The, yeah, that, that's the sort of the thing, yeah, too. That's, yeah, I mean, if you're going by the old school, yeah, you know, six, six thing alignment, gold dragons are usually lawful good, whereas I believe it's either copper or bronze are usually like chaotic good, good or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, but they're usually all good. Chromatics are usually all evil. And then I believe the gemstone was, were created because they were like, hey, we need typically neutral. Yeah, what if we have a neutral dragons? What if we had neutral dragons? I would tend to think that all dragons are neutral because they're mostly concerned with their own business and they don't give a shit about what's going on around here. And I, I would consider that to be probably pretty neutral. Yeah, probably. Like, they, they have their own goals and ambitions and sometimes they align with yours and sometimes they don't. Yeah. Because it's a dragon. It's a dragon. Because it's a dragon, yeah. And they can basically sort of do what they want. So we have chromatic, we have metallic, we have gemstone sometimes. Yes. Which are currently in fifth edition. As a, a, a recent edition, yes. yeah. After Chris Perkins talked about how, like, eh, we shouldn't... We, there's too many dragons. There, there was a podcast uh-huh. a few years back where he was like, yeah, the gemstones were too many... That's too many dragons. 
That's too many dragons. And then kept... I, so I'm guessing at some point somebody was like, "We need to sell more stuff, uh, Chris. We need to sell and more stuff." And there was stuff. a whole like Dragonomicon that was a thing that was that was a mm-hmm. thing for a while. It was a thing in some editions, and like I think in fourth edition it was like a wizards, but like a they worked with like another company to put it okay, out. So it was a third party company, and it was sort of like aimed at kids. Like there was like a Dragonomicon like coloring book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, things get a little weird. But, I mean, okay, there's too many dragons. But, yeah, there was also, like, in 5th edition, it's, it's, you know, your brass, copper, bronze, silver, gold. Right. But there have also been, and they do go back, at least the metallics, to, like, 2nd edition, mercury dragons that were all about, like, whimsy. There's iron dragons, which were neutral but metallic. Because somebody was like, why are they all good? What if some not good metallic dragons? Right, yeah. Steel dragons. Back, back when alignment was terribly important. Yeah. And then, of course, platinum dragons, which, like, there's really kind of one. Right. Which is a god. The rich. But the in the first and second ones. edition, they existed without being Bahamut. Yeah. Like, they were their own thing. Right, they were their own thing. Everyone, yeah. Bahamut is the platinum dragon. Is the, like the, dragon. the platinum dragon is a god. Is good. Or is part of a god. Again, depends on edition. Well, Io. Yes. Was the original draconic no. deity. Split in two to become... Tiamat. And Bahamut. Tiamat is the evil one, everybody. Sure. She lives in the Nine Hells. At the moment. She did have not her own cho- the one point. Not by choice. Not by choice. And she doesn't choice. want to be there. She is. She has, she has five heads. Which represented the five main chromatic dragons. Right. Which are... White, green, blue, black, and red. Yes. But there have also been brown dragons... Purple dragons, who were from the Underdark. Brown being from the desert. I, I shudder to ask what kind of breath weapon the brown dragons had. Uh, <laughs> let's ask Anakin Scott. I think, I, think, I think we all know where we're going with this. I think we all know what kind of... Uh, it's a line of acid, because boring. <sighs> cowards, uh, the, cowards! Cowards! A lot of them! Cowards. Meanwhile, over here, like, no, it should be sand. Their breath is just sand. Well, no, I was I was saying it should have been a shit dragon, but I mean that too. <laughs> well, see, that's not a breath weapon at that point. I, if it, you know what? If it if it exhausted it all over you, I think you would consider it a breath weapon. I think if hot flaming feces were to hit your face, you'd would you would you would probably take a moment and say, "Yeah, I think that's a breath weapon." Sorry, I'm checking Before the you died. I'm checking the timestamp. I feel like you should leave that method. <laughs> Just rank sewer gas. Just, just rank, rank sewer gas. So, like, poison damage would have probably made more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that instance. Yeah. Now, granted, this is third edition, so, like, I'm well, I mean, to dig back in my head of, like, third edition damage types. Did poison have its own? I feel like it did, but it might not have. I can't remember. I mean, they, they also should before. just have uh, a shit dragon. damage as a damage yeah, type. Yeah. But again, they're cowards, so they don't. But yeah, then you had purple dragons that hung out with drow, because why not? They had a psychic breath weapon. That's cool. Well, the gems also... The, the gems are also like a lot force. of psychic yeah. stuff. In fact, I think that's probably... They probably came out in second edition, now that I'm thinking about it, because they probably came out with the second edition version of psionics. You have gray dragons, again, acid. Uh, yellow dragons. Which cause... probably meant that they were ridiculously powerful. Because psionics in second edition was ridiculously powerful. Oh, okay. And the idea of throwing that on what is already a powerful dragon... Yeah, that's a, it's honestly a that, little rude. That sounds yeah, that sounds kind uh, of yeah. Purple noxious. dragons, aka deep dragons, do go back to second edition. Okay, that was right. Uh, they were chaotic evil. 
They have true seeing, because of course. Because of course they did. True seeing means that it can see through invisible stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're like Well not just not just invisible, illusions as well. Illusions too, yeah. Uh, they gave them dark vision and of course being second edition, low light vision. Since right. there was a difference. Okay. Yeah, there was a difference. So then I have another question. Yes. Were the dragons always shapeshifters? No. no. In fact, even today, not all of them are. Okay. Some of them cannot. Uh, I don't remember which ones can't. I believe it's the chromatics don't. The metallics do. Well, not even all of the and metallics. Not even all the metallics. Not even all the metallics. I believe only, don't quote me on this, but I think only the gold and silver have the ability to shapeshift. That sounds right. Now, that's this edition. There, were, there are earlier editions, I seem to recall in second or third edition, were like, they didn't just have the, like, especially like gold and, sil- and silver, they, they also had like spells that they could cast. Well, and that was also another question I had. Are all of the dragons spell casters? I, no. No. Okay. Uh, I, I don't remember in 5th edition if they're spell, if gold and silver are spell casters in this version. I don't think they are. Okay. I think now most dragons in 5th edition, it's... You get their breath weapon. Mm-hmm. You get you know whatever their whatever limbs they throwing out at people, a lot which of is them, honestly enough. A lot of them, it's, it may not be direct spell casting, but there are a lot of spell like effects. So there's right. a lot of like, you get to cast scrying within a, like right, six miles yeah. of their lair, or like you have the ability to see through any water within their domain, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the gemstone like ones. Yeah, probably pretty DM dependent and stuff. It but is, yeah, like, for sure. Especially if you have a creature this old, which is a sentient creature. In theory, they could be a wizard. Right. Like, and like, learn spells. I mean, they're smart enough to. So yeah, right. if, if you were going to make like a specific... If you're not using the the, the generic, right. like, like, here is a dragon right. stat block, and you're mm-hmm. trying to make your own, they would know some spells. Yeah, because, so they would be able to, like, polymorph themselves they are, themselves they are like typically, that, yeah. with the exception of, like, white dragons... They are typically very, very, very intelligent. smart. Yeah. Intelligence sensor. All their stats are generally high. Like Usually all of them. You can make the assumption that, like, here's a dragon. We're going to make sure that it has big boy stats because very rarely are you going to fight, like, the high tier. Like, even adult dragons are a problem for most parties. Yeah. In a solo encounter with a well-equipped party, you can take down a dragon. It's going to sog. But you can do it. It's going to be hard. One of the big things, too, with dragons is, like, because most of them are intelligent, and even the ones that are highly intelligent, you know, are still decently intelligent. But they are large or larger in size class, often huge, or gargantuan in some instances. They're very, very big. They typically have multi-attack. Their breath weapons hit huge spaces. Yeah. They're giant sacks of hit points. Their armor classes are high. So, like, even without spells, they're just... A problem to deal with because they're one of the few entities that regularly that isn't like a named NPC with like legendary actions and things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the like adult and ancient have legendary resistance or legendary actions. Right. And then you have the whole set of like layer actions when you start looking at things like Morgan Canyons and Fizzbands in the current right. edition. Like dragons build a horde, build a dungeon. They are just as potent, if not more so, than a lot of other. Big bads in D&D. There is another aspect of dragons that is pretty common, and that is 
the fear factor. They have the they have a presence around them that you just you look at the dragon, you go, oh shit, and then you poop your pants, and then it's the poopy pants aura. It's the poopy pants aura, and then you are feared. Well, and I will say, usually I have beefs <laughs> with how Dungeons and Dragons does their different creatures and like where they're found and how they're found. They actually do a good job with dragons. Do they really? Dragons are everywhere. One, they're everywhere, but because of the different types, because they are so friggin' big, even though it is, they're reptile-like, this was actually discussed in the Biology of Superheroes podcast, which I actually recommend to a lot of people if you're interested in what would the biology of a superhero look like? But they talked about, they, it was during Game of Thrones sort of area with, like, dragons. The dragons would have to be warm-blooded. Okay, yeah, because they're, they're, they're huge. Yeah. Yeah. Because something that big, can't right? Be, can't be cold-blooded. Yeah. Not in, a, in an Earth-modern Not in an Earth-modern Yeah, that makes design. sense. That's one of the reasons that, like, okay, great, there isn't a mass extinction of that. The well, modern Earth climate can't handle a dinosaur. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, warm yeah. enough. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. warm enough. Yeah, like their blood would turn to maple syrup. Well, and also, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about uh, talking about a dragon, if you correct, you're the science person. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like, mm-hmm. if you have a creature that is capable of breathing actual fire, it's it's, it's hard to believe that that creature would be cold blooded. blooded. Right. Yeah. And so the reason that I say being dragon being warm blooded is important yeah. is that's why you can find them in any environment. Yeah, they can live. Because, they can live anywhere. Yeah, you because know, frigid environments. Environments, because if they were cold blooded, that would not work. Right. Or, alternative hypothesis that you're going to hate. What? Instead of a wizard did it, it's just a dragon did it. Yeah. <laughs> like wizards got their prolific nature for doing stupid and and heinously ill-advised uh, things. Ill-advised, arrogant. There's the word I wanted. Like mm-hmm. exceedingly arrogant things. They learned it from dragons. Yeah. They learned it from watching you, Dad. <laughs> like you know. I, it could be because of how long they live. And that is another thing with dragons is pretty much all of them, without fail, are um, arrogant as hell. Fair, fairly, yeah, even the good ones are fairly arrogant. Another reason that I thought that they did pretty well with how dragons are is that they have huge territories. Yeah, you're not going to find like ten dragons around a city. One, There's because be you won't be able dragon. to feed it. There will not be enough freaking food for a creature that big. Especially if they're warm-blooded. Because also, well, but then, you gotta eat more if you're warm-blooded. You can't do the, the eat once a month and hibernate. Well, but they have the daily sacrifices, though. I mean, that's gotta... I mean, that does have uh, a part yes, of it. the 3 p.m. daily sacrifice. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. gotta... Just, just a got, sheep on, like, just, a 50 Just a little peckish, you know? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, does I mean, help. I think the other, uh, psychologically speaking, the other reason why you don't see a lot together is because they're also... Tying into the arrogance, the, the arrogance thing is they're also very territorial. Yes. So it's like, hey, this is my, this is my neighborhood. And other big predators on Earth, they generally don't hang out together, right. or don't want to. Kind of hate each other's guts. Tend to be pretty territorial. Sure. Yeah, like um, the, the pack hunting thing with like canids is in the animal kingdom at large fairly rare. Yes. Like most big predators are solitary. It makes sense. Dragons are solitary, that they have a particular territory, that if they like that territory, they're going to build a lair and will defend said territory. And tying that in both the arrogance and like having a territory, the reason you've never heard of a shit dragon is they're too busy with the smell of their own shit. It's true. They love it so much, they just never leave their lair. It's true. And they all die out. Yeah. The ultimate narcissist, a shit dragon. Yeah. 
It's just just an Ouroboros of you know a dragon's long snout just in its own anus. Figaboros. Figaboros. There it is. You're gonna be editing out three hours of just. You're not gonna have anything useful out of this. (laughs) Nothing. None none of this will be useful. Sorry, I just, and I had to get that in there of, like, they just, they're too enamored with the smell you, of their own did you, parts. Did you really? I, I yeah, feel like, I, I did. Feel like, I feel like you did. I feel like you did. Much like the shit dragon, I had to get that out there. Yeah, there you go. How it's presented in the books is, like, you can find them everywhere, but these is a rare creature. Yeah, you're not going to find 20 of them. Like, you're not going to walk out in the alleyway and there's just 10 dragons on a magic line. Yeah, not unless there is a stupid amount of food in that area, which I doubt. Or they're very small dragons. Or they're very tiny, yes. But that's the alternative. And there are tiny dragons. Like, that's another thing is that, like, for every niche, there is a dragon. Like, there's fairy dragons. They're tiny. There's pseudo-dragons. Fairy dragons, evil cousin. Yeah, the pseudo-dragons are like, they're dragons, but And again, a wizard did it. Yeah. Or a demon would do it. Or a, or a demon, demon wizard did it. Or a demon wizard, yes. Or a wizard demon. And, and then there's the dragon turtle. Yeah. Which is a dragon. Which is a dragon and is also territorial and also It's also very total. Those do exist in the real world. They're called alligator snapping turtle. Yeah, it's true. That's a real thing. Yeah. It's a real thing. And it's terrifying. <laughs> They're really... And it is exactly... Like, the only thing that's missing is speech... From, like, a draconic standpoint, I don't think dragon turtles speak in, in D&D generally. Uh, Again, it might be an addition to a thing, Actually, I think too. they do. do they? I okay. think they do, yeah. Even still, like, the real ones... Okay, okay, okay. Arguably, yes, the real world ones do speak. In very angry hissing. Right. Like, get out of here! Yes. It's a four-foot dimensional. Just everything about them is four feet. That's the number of feet they have. It's how big they get. Like, they're just, they are monstrously big balls of mud and rage. Yeah, they are very angry. They're exceptionally angry. And they have jaws that can snap, like, hardwood dowels in half for fun. It's like, check it out. Here's easily, a hot dog. Roughly easily, a human finger. Easily your Annihilated. leg. Annihilated. <laughs> like, easily your leg. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. they would take a significant hunk out of a leg and, like, they'll take a hand off. They're like, the phrase, give me a hand? No, that, that came from Dragon Turtles. The real ones. They're yes. like, give me that hand. Mm-hmm. I'm going to eat it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Look up videos. They exist. People are like, haha, check out the snapping turtle. You're like, that's dumb. That's yes. a choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you made a choice today. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, it's in the name. Yes. That's the thing. Basically, as, as D&D often does, they're like, what if I take this terrifying thing that actually exists? And make it worse. And make it big. And put it everywhere. Like, real big. Like, the size of a sailing ship big. You know. Sometimes even bigger than that. There's like mentioned like of ancient small, ones are like an island. Small yeah, island islands, yeah. But then no change whatsoever. <laughs> and that's the, like dragons and dragonoids are so prolific in D anD D that like they're unavoidable in any edition. Like we've talked about in the past with like spiders, for instance. Like right. here's an underwater spider and like a glacier spider. Like depending on the edition, there's always some different flavor of certain monsters. But dragons are like, there's just always dragons. That core, like, four or five of every group is always kind of there. There's always Like, there. that core five in chromatic, yep. one for each of Tiamat's heads, the core five, like, metallics, pretty much always there. Some of the, like, iron and mercury and, like, purple and yellow yep. dragons uh, come and go. Gem dragons come and go. Come and go, yep. Certain editions have them, certain don't. Some did through, like, third-party splat books. They're there, but people often forget about them. And also, like, they don't. They typically are very like ascetic and removed from things. Where they're like, 
were they are true neutral. Like they are the Switzerland that's of dragons. That's what I was saying. They 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 were neutral, and, and so they're very much like, just like I don't know. You're doing petty crap over there. I got like this, who like who likes neutrality? I got the, pick a side. But, but the thing is, it's like they're like the Willy Wonka of dragons. Like, certain, like look at Fizzbands in Fifth Edition. They're like, did they check did, out like a so, layer for so like an amethyst kid, dragon? So they kidnapped a bunch of pygmies from Africa. They could. They would. They're so powerful that they, they can come through the multiverse to actual Earth, sure. not not Earth with an O, and and, 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 and torture torture torture, 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 torture small ch- children in their factory. Yeah, candy factory. The candy factory that has like self looping. Sideways gravity tunnels. Yeah. Like, I'm not like that's literally just the end there. They're like, no, I know. Check out this amethyst dragon. Their layers are full of tunnels that are like a mile long, but they infinitely loop from end to end. Right. Like a Pac Man maze. <laughs> They're like, what is this? They're like, I don't know. Also, it's technically vertical, but the gravity runs so that you're walking on the wall the whole time. You're like, I didn't. I mean, go off. I didn't like how reality worked here, so I decided to spruce it up a bit. <laughs> I reject reality and substitute my own. Basically, yeah, that's what. Well, on, get wrecked. We've been talking about all these different colors and different metals and stuff, and I think we should probably explain that the major differences between them, besides the two major groups that are like good and bad, is that the different colors or different types of metals is like each of them has a different flavor of breath weapon, usually. Garlic. Yep. Yes. Anchovy. And that's, that's the major difference I've found, and maybe some Sweet. other Szechuan small sauce. details. Red ones breathe fire, white ones breathe ice. You can look at all those up, but I felt like acid that's comes something up way more often than it should. Probably, I think yeah. Black is acid. Black. It is, but then like I think one of the metallics is also acid. Mm-hmm. Well, remember, well, remember, fire is both uh, red and gold. Gold true, also it's true. Uh, breathes fire. It's true. And like, there's a lightning pair, and there's a yeah. But then there, like, it's there's mostly pairs. blue yeah. and silver. Yeah. So there are pairs across the two different ones that so have diametrically this, opposed. Diametrically yeah. opposed of the different breath weapons and those sorts of things. Like green is poison. And that's where I kind of jump in with, like, I love, the reason I love gemstone dragons, if they do show up in an edition, is that they're always like, okay, the, one, they're usually not there, like, out of the game. They're always, like, a later friend to the party. Right. Like, the, they're the cool dragons that show up at, like, 11 o'clock when the party's kind of hitting peak. And they're just like, hey, what up? Because they're like, oh, what if we had psychic damage and, like, force damage? Yeah. Like, let's just get re- radiant damage. Let's, let's just get weird. Here's a radiant breath weapon. What's that, like? You ever had somebody drive you, like, in a snowstorm with the high beams on? That. But in D&D. And you're like, I don't... This is... What? This, this is... You You hung out way too long on the beach. Yeah. Like, you're just... And in, you did not monster. use any sunscreen whatsoever. Here's the microwave dragon. Why not? Like... But the beach was on Venus. Yeah. I'm waiting for, like, the uranium dragon. Just... It doesn't even have a breath weapon. It's just everything within 50 Don't ask me why, but I feel like a uranium dragon would have to have a Russian accent. Oh, of course. And it's twice the size of every other dragon. Yes. And horribly inefficient. Well, because it takes steroids. That too. Because it's it's a Russian dragon. Plate armor just says Volvo. We can't, we can't use any of this. No. Can't use any of this. Just take it all out. Okay. 40% of the episode. Complete side tangent. Like, not even tangential to the main topic. Just, it's off on its own. It's yeah. in a field, eating sheep. It's a dragon. At least we're not talking about shit dragons again. <laughs> so coming back around to... Shit, shit dragons, dragons, yeah. <laughs> okay, 
So I think we've talked about D&D dragons quite a bit. I would like, keep going. Like, we can keep going, but it's just a lot. There's just a lot of them. And They're all over the place. I guess probably the other thing we should mention is that, like, the vast majority are following the sort of European dragon model. I don't know if I'm right about this or not. I want to say almost every culture there that exists has some concept, concept of a dragon. The default dragon that I think a lot of Western pop culture takes. There's the alternative to that, which some people will argue is a drake, and D&D is like, yeah, drakes are a thing, but they're just like small dog dragons that are dumb. Right, yeah. When you talk drake in like the folklore sense, usually it's the, instead of two back legs, two front legs, and then also wings, it's just the wings in the front. So right. it's only back legs and then wings like a bat. Like they have... Hands like yeah, on the front of the wing, uh, yeah, and they sort of crawl well, isn't along. Isn't that what wyverns look like? And yeah, wyvern is another variation in that yeah style. So it depends on what. And I, this is going to have to go into like etymology of like wyvern versus drake versus dragon versus draken. D r a k k e n. They're all sort of in that still like there is a sort of that quadruped dog cat shaped body plan. Sure. Long tail, long neck, you know, pointed snout. Right. The other alternative is the serpent-like dragon, yeah, which is far more of like your Eastern traditions in yeah, China, Eastern, Japan. Definitely China, probably all over. The, the more serpent-like, and again, yeah. oftentimes at least four limbs, right. sometimes more, sometimes right. less, sometimes none. Right. Like certain dragons, so this is more of your, you know, to bring it into a, a modern pop culture sense, if you've played Breath of the Wild. Yeah. There are, you know, three great dragons, and they are the long, serpentine, the legs are really spread out, no wings, just flying right. through magic. Sometimes I've, seen them, of the wind. sometimes I've seen them depicted where, yes, they have wings, but they're almost vestigial. Because they're, they're tiny. Very tiny wings. Buffalo wings. Very, yeah, buffalo wings. Eat them with ranch. Would a coaddle fall into that? Technically, no, no, because they are winged serpents. They're well, and also and they're snake. celestials. Yeah, if you look at it, you'd be like, okay, that's dragon shaped. Dragon shaped. D and D makes that distinction, but like folklore yeah. wise, I believe um, folklore wise, there's, there's probably a lot more mixing going on. Okay. Typically, when I've seen depictions, and again, this is going back like fifteen years in my education, is it's like a lot of the the coatl, so it's a South American folklore and mythology. Yeah. I want to say they usually have feathered wings. Yes, they have feathered wings. And that typically is the distinction you'll find is that almost all dragons in folklore, at least that I've ever been aware of, but also in D&D terms, their wings are reptilian. Right. Or bat Well, the other thing to consider, so when you say... Flaps of skin. When you say European, it's probably also important to note that there's another way you could also describe it as Tolkien-esque. Sure. Because... So much of D&D is influenced by Lord of the Rings that, of course, that, they looked at Smog and went, yeah, yeah let's do that. That style of dragon does go back into European, like, illuminated manuscripts. Right. It's on flat, you know, the flag of Wales, St. George and the Dragon. Like, this is stuff right. that goes back to, like, the 1200s. Right. Yeah, like, this yeah, is yeah. fairly old in, in sure. European tradition. And, like, the city of Ghent in Belgium, the Golden Drac, the Golden Dragon, one delicious beer... But also, like, that is their city symbol. 
the uh, I'm trying to remember what building it's on. If it's, I think it was one of the churches or like the town hall. But like the city of Ghent has been a free like city state for a long time. Like they're part of Belgium basically. Cause they're like we're part of Belgium because that's what's around us at the moment. But sure. like if France comes in and conquers Belgium, we're still Ghent. Right. France yeah. can have everything else. We built some walls. We're here. And they like Ghent has existed for a very long time. And the Golden Dragon's been a big part of that. Like it's on a bunch of their municipal buildings, it's like the city flag. Like that is the entity for them. And it's sort of that squat, shorter body, bat like wings, horns, breathing fire. Like that image has existed in European mythology for a long time. For, for like Tolkien absolutely for is probably the modern father of the, the Right. I mean image. if you're just doing like a through line of influence. Oh, absolutely. For D and D, then then Tolkien is probably at and least, most modern, at least the, the most recent in the chain, so to speak. And it, yeah, and if you start talking about what influenced him when he was doing the stuff, then now yeah, you start to get into the older, and especially yeah, you guys sort of being European a British author. The whole thing with Lord of the Rings was an epic for the British Isles. Well, Saint George and the Dragon is an old British tale, right? I mean, it's not just British too. I mean, you're all still like Grendel. Grendel yeah. was supposed to be a dragon too. I did find the story of the Dragon of Ghent. I will okay. go ahead and put yeah. it as part of the sources. It is sort of a folk tale. It's actually pretty awesome. Just I'm, I'm, like I'm, skimming I right mean, now. you would hope so if an entire city has like that is has, has based mm-hmm. a, a large part of its uh, image, identity, yeah, identity on it. So I will let you all read it for yourselves. This particular dragon was called the Weeping Dragon. Because he wept large bucketfuls of tears whenever the Belgian Crusaders and the Saracens fell to fighting. Wow. And there's a bunch of sort of stuff that goes continuing about this particular dragon. So it sounds like it's probably not been there like the entire time Ghent has existed. Because I want to say Ghent goes back to like 300 AD. Like it goes back a long ways. Sure. One of the first missions up into like the northern parts of Europe out of Rome was into that region. And there's been human settlement there for maybe millennia because it's at a confluence of several rivers and things. So, yeah, it sounds like the dragon was more of like the 1100s. But again, basically a millennia at this point, they have had this dragon. And just to give an idea, like, these are the body plans for dragon. And, like, again, depending on edition, D&D has some of the more oriental dragons, often in things like <coughs> third edition oriental adventures. Oh, God. It's just thinking about that. Book, not, necessarily not, well, not necessarily well. No. But, but they, yeah, they have. Problematic. Problematic is the The eastern half of Forgotten Realms is a silly place and we shall not go there. It's it's the true forgotten part of the Forgotten Realms. Yeah, that's the forgotten half. The rest of it is the realms. That's yeah. why it's the Sword Coast. Yeah. The realms is shorthand because the forgotten bit, bit is everything east. Is everything else. The stereotypical depictions of the rest of the world. There's obviously then in-universe folklore that has more or less stayed the same over editions. But yeah, like dragons have existed, you're absolutely right. Like almost every culture with a storytelling tradition has some sort of either dragon or like large serpentine reptile. For example, like the most published book ever, the Bible, has dragon references in it 21 times in the Old Testament. When the Bible was first translated in English, way before the word dinosaur was invented. Oh, okay. Some folks think that maybe... The term dragon was used to describe large reptiles. May have been dinosaurs. May have just been big lizards. It's hard to say. In Ezekiel 29.3, 
Speak to him and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You great monster lying among your streams. You say the Nile belongs to me. I made it for myself. Probably referring to a Nile crocodile. Yeah. Which are large, dragon-like. Scary. Sure. Unknowable age, because they sort of hit an upper bound like most crocodilians and are just kind of there. And then there are sometimes referring to dragons of the sea. That could be a variety of things. Mostly tuna. Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. The one that gets referred to probably the most, but then no one's exactly certain what it is, is that in Isaiah and in a couple other places, there's something referred to as Leviathan, which is a gliding serpent and a monster of the sea. Right. Funny enough, in D&D, not a dragon. No. Not a dragon. It's also said that Leviathan in Job has breath that sets coals ablaze and flames dart from its mouth. Also in Psalms, talking about a fire-breathing monster of some type, usually referred to as a serpent. Although the term dragon is also sometimes used to refer to Satan as well in certain imageries. Sort of the the great red dragon. And that was talk, talked about in Revelation. Dragon versus serpent, serpent versus... Yeah, right. and that There's sort a lot of, of conflation. on... Right, right. Translation. translation. There's a lot of argument on that. Was this a term for something specific? Was it a metaphor? Or was the translation from the original either Hebrew or Greek or even, you know, older languages to... A big, scary critter. There's yeah, not... This is just a word for the terrifying thing. Yeah. It's... And that, that could that could be several things, depending on where you live. This sort of running joke slash you know, etymology lesson on, like, the word bear is not the word to actually name bears. Mm-hmm. The word bear is the brown one. Yes. That sort of like euphemistic name for this entity that if we say its real name, it shall appear. The actual like proto-Indo-European word for bear is more or less been lost to time. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like all of these words that we have translated into the word bear are all like the brown one, the great brown thing. So it's sort of like was dragon the word for large-scaled entity that we shall not be named. Yes. Sometimes was used interchangeably with serpents, sometimes with other beasts. It's a little fuzzy, depending on when you look at it, who translated it, if it... And because a lot of the early Old Testament was oral tradition, that also has its own level of accuracy, you know, on... Right. Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. It's not really clear, because sometimes there's sort of that sort of pointed to as evidence for, like, an ancient folklore. It's like, oh, well, there were these sorts of creatures. And it's like, maybe, or maybe that was the closest English word we had to whatever it is that they were translating. Right. It's sort of the thing with kangaroo. Yes. In, it was like the the clan in, of Aborigines that the, the English settlers first come across, or they're like, hey, what's that animal over there? And the response was like Gungaru, which is like the, that particular clan's word for I have no idea what you're saying. So what's it, what is that? I don't know what you're saying. And the British people were like, ah, yes, kangaroo, write that down. Right. 
<laughs> Niles, write that down. And it's very much like, yeah, that's that's not at all. That means they're the same thing with in England, the River Avon. Yeah. There's the famous River Avon, Stratford upon Avon, you know. Right. You know, our boy Willie Shakes. You know, like that Avon, but like Avon was the Breton, like Celtic word for river. River. Yeah. So the Romans are like, what's that? And the locals went, a river, idiot. And they're like, ah, yes, the Avon. The right Avon, that, yes. Right that down. Man, this Avon is everywhere. Lucius, write that down. They're selling makeup now. Like, <laughs> yes, the Avon. Ah, we've stumbled across this. We're going in circles. It's the fourth River Avon. Time we hit the River this Avon. This is one really big river. It seems and to go like, everywhere. No, that's just the word for river, stupid. Ah, yes, the dragon. Well, I mean, and then and then the Briton said that to the Roman guy, and then the Roman guy beheaded him, so that right. stopped that. Real quick. Well, and that's also something that I think is interesting to bring up when it comes to sort of these folklore, even though, like, the body plan's slightly different. There's a dragon in almost every culture. Right. There's, I mean, like, the Wikipedia article for dragon literally has whole sections that are like, here's African folklore, Asian folklore, European folklore, modern depict, nearly... One of the most universal, like, creatures that pop up in myth and folklore just about everywhere. I want to say vampires might be the only other one. Right. That's practically universal. Blood-sucking mm-hmm. entity of the night. Which, there are blood-sucking entities of the night. Sure. Right. But there are not fire-breathing giant lizards. Right. Not yeah. anymore. Not anymore. So then I'm like, St. George did killed it, the last one. Where did this. it come from? <laughs> right. Well, it, yeah. And why is it so... Prevalent. Prevalent. Yeah, that like that ties into a lot of the other you start talking about like Joseph Campbell's research and like why is there basically one myth and everybody t- you know yeah, the mono myth the, the, the mono myth mm-hmm. you know, why did everybody just tell the same story all the time it's yes it's very like it is you know the hero's journey yeah the hero's like, journey bit. the human story like all stories eventually will break down into this and it's like okay is it just this is the the ultimate human story. Human goes forth, does some stuff, kind of sucks at some things, bad stuff happens, overcomes it, kicks more butt, ascends to the mountaintops, goes home. Yeah. Story over. Story All complete. Happily ever something something. Or everybody died. I mean, that's kind of the two endings. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. So it's it's sort of mysterious as to why everybody everybody's got an idea about what a dragon is. Well, and that's it gets into like I think one of the the theories has been like one there are reptiles on most continents basically any place there's people there are some level of reptile I mean this is all conjecture on my part but you're right there's some kind of reptile everywhere and when you're first starting to like identify things and, and categorize things I would think that someone would look at a reptile like a scaly like a scaly type of creature the way they look and probably be like that looks scary as shit it looks like it wants to bite me in half there's got to be a bigger one of that somewhere and then that's where that sort of comes into play because a lot of dragons are they're not referred to in a lot of stories they're not referred to as dragons they're referred to as serpents great lizards serpents yeah the scaly toothed beast. Sure. Now the fire breathing, Lord knows where that comes from. It should also be noted that not all cultures have a concept fire of a dragon as a fire breathing. But one of the other theories I've heard for like why dragons are so prevalent is that dinosaurs were everywhere. 
Sure. And so at but some we point, weren't around when they were around. No. But we found their bones. Found their bones is what you're saying. And so it's like you want, especially you, you look at where did a lot of these myths start? They started in places where like they go back into ancient times. Egypt, right. Mesopotamia, right. like the the cradle of civilization as the Western world understands it. And as right. most of our modern biology and, and sort of paleobiology has sort of said, yeah, we came somewhere out of Africa for the most part and spread from there. And you're saying those bones are just lying around. For a lot of these places are arid, much like, you know, sure. at least in the U.S., most of us have ever cared about dinosaurs. So anybody who is a, of an age below 50 in the 1990s, and then anyone who lived through Victorian times. So any of humans in the last 200 years, basically, right. are aware of dinosaurs, sure. thunder lizards, great reptilian beasts. Uh, yeah, modern biology is starting to say, yeah, they probably have like feathers. They're more like birds. Big giant. What in if fact, a Tyrannosaurus was just a fat giant chicken? In, in, right. In, in fact, to the point where some people are saying now that like, oh no, birds are not descended from dinosaurs. They are dinosaurs. They are dinosaurs. Yeah. They just shrank because again, like we said earlier, a cold-blooded creature this big needs a very warm environment, and the Earth is nowhere near as warm. You know as what it that means, right? Chicken is a dragon. It, chicken what is a dragon. What that means is that look. Climate change, bad. Global warming, bad for people. Sure. But if we keep at it long enough, there may be a brief window where humanity is alive, and so are dinosaurs, and we finally get to ride them Flintstone style. The sure. Flintstones was in the future, not in the past. Right. Sure. Sure. And yeah. by ride them, you mean... Be devoured by them. To be viciously Vicious. eviscerated by them, yes. Yeah. Well, because the last great mass extinction, when... Dinosaurs bit it. Dinosaurs bit it. The things that survived... We're little. Tiny right? rodents. Tiny rodents. Which became people. Which became people. But also... Rats, yada yada, humans. Everything got littler because they had to. Because right. it got so much colder on right. the planet. And there was a lot less food. And there was a lot less the food. The things that survived were the things that managed to eat enough to live. Yes. And the big things died because you couldn't support dinosaur mm-hmm. on tiny wispy grasses. Yes. But and mouse, mouse lives. Mouse yes. lives. And that's also why... The small dinosaur that are now in chicken are also the ones that made it. And crocodiles. <laughs> and, and crocodiles. Sharks. Crocodiles and sharks. And sharks. Those, those were the two designs that evolution was like, that works. And then the keep state that. bird of Florida. Don't change it. Don't don't change it. it, it it's just... It and then Florida state bird. Make it a little cockroach. bit smaller. Yeah, the cockroach. So I will say, I went ahead and looked for the etymology mm-hmm. thing that we looked at. Of the word? Of dragon, yes. Okay. Derives from Old French. It's French, which means we're pronouncing it wrong. It's probably, prob- yes. It's probably supposed to be Oh, no. In the old French, it had like 14 more pointless vowels. Yeah. It could be. It was still pronounced dragon. Yeah. There yeah. were like 14 extra letters. Yeah. Of course, that derived from draconem or draco, meaning big serpent. Right. In Latin, which derived from dracom, which was Greek. There we go. Early appearance of the Old English were Dracon in Beowulf mm-hmm. in yep. the 8th century. So in Greek mythology, there was a Hesperian dragon named Landon, who was a hundred-headed serpent. That so the guarded, Hydra, which is another sort of dragon yeah, adjacent also, yeah. That guarded golden apples in the Garden of Hesperides. And so then we have... European dragons used as being evil, jealous, greedy hoarders of treasure, that sort of things... European dragons tend to have four, two legs, or none, and often had wings. 
So talking about some of that. Because I was specifically looking up where did the fire breathing dragon come from. So who do we blame? Yeah, who do we yeah, blame? Who for came the fire up with breathing? that nightmare? Yes, because again, it's like we discovered these bones out in the desert of this giant toothed maw. Mm-hmm. Clearly, it, it could breathe fire. If we talk about in Asian tradition, China had a very different view of dragons. Right, they were thought to live under the ocean in winter. Yes. And arose in spring with a clap of thunder to bring rain needed for crops. When your booty cheeks so thin, you arrive with a clap of thunder. They breathed clouds and moved the seasons. They were sort of seen as more... So they were seasonal creatures. Nature spirits. Natural natural spirits. And depending on the tradition, they also... There's a sense of bringing luck. Some of it associated with New Year. Yeah, the dragon was a symbol for the Chinese emperor. Puro throne was called the dragon throne. So, known as the dragon, emperor ruled in harmony, brought peace and hospi- prosperity to all. They're more serpent-like, long, snaking bodies. Usually, sinuous, I believe is the yes, term. Yes, sinuous. They do have four legs and aren't generally don't have wings. Long mustaches. It's, in some instances, they have white fur and a very dog-adjacent face. And they're luck dragons, and then they yes. have falcor. Okay. And they have little kids so, on them going, yeah! When, yeah, when we talk about several theories about creatures are the, the source of the myths. Right. They could all be true. We don't right. know. Number of potential roots? Crocodiles. Saltwater crocodiles? Now crocodiles. Large. Large. Toothy. Toothy. Would, would have been encountered yes. by people living in Greece, Spain, or southern Italy. Yeah, because crocs are mm-hmm. almost everywhere. Yeah, there's a crocodilian of some type on most continents. Yeah. So, like alligators are... Only they're a crocodilian, like a, they're a cousins, like sure. caimans and, and uh, right. um, oh, it's not guarana, that's the berry that goes into energy drinks. There's another, like caimans, there's another South American... I think it's just crocodilian. Well, yeah, there's a specific one I'm trying to think of. I'll find it. Yeah. Okay. Also, as you just talked about, ancient peoples finding dinosaur bones. Garials, there's the term. Garials, right. Ancient peoples finding dinosaur bones, specifically ones with like really long necks and being like, sure. what could this thingy be? Sure. And so then you make up a story to fit a beast right. that fits with this right, right, right. fossil. Again, conjecture on my part. It could just be that, like, if you have a general conception of here is this terrifying creature. What else can we slap on what, it? What, what terrifying thing could it do? It could breathe fire. Yeah, that's pretty terrifying. Breathe, yeah. plagues, pestilence. And yeah. since China had writing very early on, there right. is evidence for discoveries of dinosaur fossils in China as early as the 4th century. Right, because China's rife with dinosaurs. Yep. Exposed mountains that have been eroding. Yeah. yeah. A lot of sandstone. Mm-hmm. And so some several of them are fossils that belong to flying dinosaurs. Such as a pterodon or a pterodactyl, something sure. like that. Yeah, if I looked at some, some pterodactyl... A skeleton. I could probably come up with... Especially if you had like two or three of them kind of stacked up on one another in a, yeah. like a heap someplace. It's yeah. Like, yeah, it's got four or five legs and some wings. And I could see that. I could see someone seeing that and being and like, dragon. Here's a long spine with a head on it. Okay, yeah, it's a dragon. I could, I could track it like that. Follows. A dead whale washes up on shore. I mean, whale, whale skeletons are kind of wild whales. looking. Long, huge head. Yeah. And then just like a spine... And then some bones at the back end, like a tail. You're like, yeah, that's a dragon. Like, picture a whale skeleton there. Especially for things like a blue whale or like right. A, a right whale or even a sperm whale. Like, they're huge creatures by human scale. Yeah. There is not a really clear idea where the fire-breathing part came from. The dragons themselves, some 
thoughts it's like big snake big reptile big other yeah, creature we should point to things fossils like, that could those be sorts of things the only things that actually have fire breathing in them is the mention of the leviathan in the bible and then subsequently beowulf and then from there it's just sort of been picked up and carried okay, yes and since a lot of that was oral tradition mm-hmm. right somewhere along the line something got embellished sure and all of a sudden we have fire the chimera in Greek mythology was a fire-breathing yes. entity. And so here's another flying entity. Why not slap fire in it? You know? Yeah, that, that tracks. And I could, I could see where, like, okay, you know, we're going to say Leviathan, and it breathes like it, you know, would heat coals. Whales are mammals, a.k.a. warm-blooded. Sure. A.k.a. if they were to breathe well, on someone... It's not going to come out like it's frozen I wind. See, it's going to be Yeah, warm. I was going to say, that's, that's, that's a... It's a stretch, but like, I that's could a, see... That's a, that's a stretch, yeah. I could see someone saying, like, oh, this thing came up from beneath the ship and blasted furnace well, I mean, air at that us. Leads to, like, that leads to, like, something I was going to say, which is, like, it's interesting to me that fire-breathing, regardless of where, where the origin is, that it came up in the first place because it's probably one of the few things where, like, I can't think of any creature... That could have inspired expelled fire. That yeah. expelled fire. That could have inspired that. Yeah. The first dragon myths appear in Sumerian legends. Okay. Sure. Of the godmother Tiamat. Yeah. Yeah. Tiamat's very. Who transforms old. herself into a legged horned serpent. Right. Yeah, that's a fun game. Pick random names in D and D. And of the snake. And go dig up where it came from. Right. Because Bahamut is also super old. Yes. Most of the deity names and like half the monster names are actually existing real yeah. world names. Sure. Sometimes describing the literal same thing. Like they pulled stuff out of tons of mythology. Yeah. In order to make the monster manual, like most of the monster manual is just here's a book of fairy tales with all the stories stripped out. Yeah. yeah. It's just the monsters. Yeah. And so. Starts with Sumerian dragon Tiamat is the oldest one. Then it's some of the Chinese mythos, mm-hmm. which, as I said, are the seasonal nature, rain-bringing creatures that sometimes also reveal treasures and grant wishes. And, like, I've been reading Journey to the West. Dragons come up in there constantly. All the time. Yeah. And then Greek legends are lousy with dragons. Most... You, can't, you can't walk five feet without tripping over a dragon in Greek mythology. Now, there, of course... So in Greece, apparently, there were dragons hanging out on the power lines. Just you know, dragging pigeons. all over the yeah, place. Dragon they, pigeons. But they're including things like the Hydra. Things yeah. like... Dragon adjacent. You know, sea snake. Like serpent serpent creatures. creatures. Serpent creatures. Monstrous serpent creatures. The Bible has mm-hmm. reference to those, which may have been picked up from... The Israelites in the Old Testament, when sure. they were going to the Promised I mean, Land, Sumeria is right there. Interacted with Hittites, Babylonians, and Persians, who all had dragon mythos as right. well. Classic dragon story: Saint George, patron saint of England, rescuing a princess. That dates three fifteen A.D. God, it's that old. Yep. Yeah, it's very old. It's I, very I figured old. like Middle Ages. I wasn't no, going back that far. Yeah. George and Dragon's super old. Which again, like that's kind of the classic Western dragon story. Is like fair maiden locked in a tower, and you must the holy knight must take down the dragon. Like I think that's older than Arthurian. I want to say by maybe a couple hundred. I've been years. looking at Arthurian legend because I've been watching a couple different shows that have referenced it lately. Because I've been watching Seven Deadly Sins and I watched the like BBC Merlin show not that long oh, ago. Oh sure, sure. And yeah, Arthurian legend is like half French, half British. That's There's a part of the problem. Is blending that it's French. Stuff yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. The English have a particular fondness for dragons. Yes. 
They were regularly spotted during eclipses, riots, and earthquakes, and a flock of 400 was, was reported in 1513. So you dragon pigeons, I knew it. Dragon pigeons. I, I mean, there's, I think half the pubs in England probably use dragons somewhere in the neck. Like, the dragon's arms, I'm sure, is a yeah. real pub someplace. They just, they love oh, yeah. some dragons, folks. They just really, really like, if it's not the cock and bull, it's the dragon something. Like, that, that covers 60% of all pubs in the British Isles. Yeah. So, I think that would help, since we're talking about just sort of their prevalence, I think we can sort of go into the science part a little bit. Science! Thanks, everyone, for listening. All questions, comments, or topics for future episodes, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, at nat20pod, or email us at natural20podcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Embers Tide for our intro and outro music. As well, thank you to Burnham, with three M's, for our beautiful profile and banner artwork. And thanks to Matt Will Jackson for editing our rambling. He listens to our mistakes, so you don't have to, selecting only the most premium nonsense for your listening pleasure. And thanks to all of you, our listeners. We hope you'll keep rolling a natural 20. <laughs>